This podcast may contain content that is triggering or inappropriate for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Boonies True Crime. You can email me at booniestruecrime at gmail.com, follow me on Instagram at booniestruecrime, leave a voice message at https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash booniestruecrime slash message and donate on Anchor. Please also give me positive feedback through your podcast provider. I also want to recognize the people who have supported me thus far. By listening to the podcast, following slash providing feedback through your podcast provider, and interacting with me on social media. This includes Kimmy and Alexa. It is much appreciated. Without further ado, from the boonies, this is Megan, and tonight I will be covering part two of the complex disappearance of Mara Murray. I will pick up where I left off in part one. Shortly after 7 p.m., a resident of Woodsville, New Hampshire, heard a loud crash outside of her house. Upon looking out of her window, she saw a car up against the snowbank on Route 112. The car was facing west on the eastbound lane of the road. The witness called the Grafton County Sheriff's Department at 7.27 p.m. to advise them of the accident. According to the 911 log, the woman reported seeing a man smoking a cigarette in the car. However, later she stated that she hadn't seen this, but had seen a red glowing light inside the car, possibly from a cell phone. Around the same time, another neighbor saw the same scene and a person walking around the vehicle. The neighbor also saw a third neighbor pull up to the vehicle. Per the official police log, a Haverhill police officer arrived at the scene at 7.46 p.m. and didn't find anyone inside or around the car. The car hit a tree on the driver's side, which had destroyed the left headlight and pushed the radiator into the fan, so the car couldn't be driven. Also, the car's windshield was cracked, its airbags were deployed, and its doors were locked. The officer located red stains that looked like wine inside and outside of the car, an empty beer bottle inside of the car, and a damaged box of Franzia wine on the back seat. He also found Mara's AAA card, bank, Blank accident forms, gloves, compact discs, makeup, diamond jewelry, driving directions to Burlington, Vermont, her favorite stuffed animal, and a copy of Not Without Peril, a book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Mora's debit and credit cards and cell phone were missing and to this day have not been recovered. Journalist Joe McGee of the Patriot Letter in Quincy, Massachusetts describes the scene. At a hairpin turn, she went off the road. Her car hit a tree. At that point, a person came along who was driving a bus. It was a neighbor. He asked her if she needed help. She refused. About 10 minutes later, police showed up to the scene and Mara Murray was gone. Between 8 and 8.30 p.m., a contractor driving home from Franconia saw a young person moving quickly on foot eastbound on Route 112 about four to five minutes from the accident scene. The young person was wearing jeans, a dark coat, and a light-colored hood. This was not reported until three months later due to his confusion on dates. The responding officer and bus driver drove around the area looking for her. Slightly before 8 p.m., EMS and fire truck and fire began clearing the scene. By 8.49, Mara's car was towed to a local garage. The reporting officer left by 9.30 p.m. A rag, which appeared to be from her roadside kit, was stuffed into her car's tailpipe. 
Authorities did not classify Mara as a missing person until almost 24 hours later. At 12.36 p.m. the next day, February 10th, a bolo was issued along with her description which included a black backpack. Fred Murray received a voicemail at 3.20 p.m. advising that her car was found abandoned. He was working out of the state and and didn't receive the call. Mara's older sister called Fred at 5 p.m. to tell him what was going on. He called the Haverhill Police Department and they told him that if she wasn't found safe by the next morning, the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department would begin to search for her. By 5.17 p.m., Mara was considered a missing person by the Haverhill Police. On February 12th, Fred arrived in Haverhill in the very early morning. At 8 a.m., the New Hampshire Fish and Game The Murrays and others began searching for her. A police dog tracked Mara's scent using one of her gloves to 100 yards east of where her car was found, but then the scent was lost. This made police think she left in another car. At 5 p.m., Billy, Mara's boyfriend, and his parents came to Haverhill. Police interrogated him alone, and his parents later joined. At 7 p.m., police declared that she was either running away or going to commit suicide, but her loved ones didn't agree. Billy turned off his phone during the flight to Haverhill. He received a voicemail that he believed was of Mara crying. The call was traced to a calling card used by someone at the American Red Cross. On the evening of February 12th, Fred and Billy held a press conference in Bethlehem, New Hampshire, which was published on February 13th. At 3.05 p.m., the police advised that Mara may be heading to the Kankamagas Highway area and referred to her as endangered and possibly suicidal. The police report that held this information also stated that she was drunk at the crash site, although the bus driver contradicted that she didn't seem so. Haverhill's police chief said, Our concern is that she's upset or suicidal. A week following Mara's disappearance, Fred and Billy appeared on CNN's American Morning. Her family was disappointed to know that authorities in Vermont were not informed of her disappearance and began searching there as well. The FBI began investigating Mara's case 10 days after her disappearance, although the state police normally handle missing person cases. The FBI interviewed her family in Massachusetts and the Haverhill Police Chief proclaimed the search to be nationwide. Also, 10 days after Mara's disappearance, the New Hampshire Fish and Game searched the grounds for a second time and conducted their first air search. Tracking and cadaver dogs, a helicopter, and a thermal imaging camera were used in these searches. On February 26th, her older sister found a torn white pair of women's underwear in the snow on a desolate path near French Pond Road. DNA later proved that these underwear weren't Mara's. Police returned the items found in her car to her family at the end of February. On March 2nd, Mara's family returned home defeated. Fred returned and continued searching almost every weekend. In April, the Haverhill Police Department told Fred, that people were complaining about him trespassing on their private property during these searches. 
In April and June, New Hampshire and Vermont police said that Mara's case was not connected to that of Brianna Maitland, who disappeared in March 2004 from Montgomery, Vermont. They also announced that the serial killer was not involved. In, press release, in a press release, they claimed Mara was headed for an unknown destination and may have accepted a ride in order to continue to that location. On July 1st, police took the items back from her family that were found in her car and conducted forensic testing on them. On July 13th, a search with a one-mile radius was conducted by 100 people, including state troopers, rescue workers, and volunteers. This was the fourth total search and the first without snow. Police were particularly looking for Mara's black backpack. They confirmed that nothing conclusive was found. Towards the end of 2004, a man supposedly gave Fred a weathered knife belonging to his brother, who was a criminal and lived less than a mile from where Mara's car was located. His brother and his girlfriend apparently acted strange following the disappearance, and he claimed this knife was used to kill Mara. Days after the man gave Fred the knife, he reportedly scrapped his car. Family members of this man suggested he fabricated the story to obtain the reward and buy drugs. In 2005, Fred petitioned the New Hampshire Governor Craig Benson to assist in finding his daughter. He also appeared on the Montel Williams show to get media attention for Mara's case. A year after her disappearance, on October 9, 2005, a vigil was held where her car was found and New Hampshire Governor John Lynch attended. Towards the end of 2005, Fred filed a, law, a suit against multiple law enforcement agencies in efforts to obtain the case files. On November 1, 2005, a person using the name Tom Davies commented on a message board called Not Without Peril about Mara's disappearance, stating that he saw a black backpack behind a bathroom in Pemiwigasat Overlook, 30 miles from Woodsville. Senior Assistant Attorney General Jeffrey Delzen said that law enforcement is aware, but didn't confirm confirm whether or not forensic testing had been conducted on it. The New Hampshire League of Investigators, 10 retired police personnel, and the Molly Bish Foundation picked up the case in 2006. According to Tom Shamchak, former police chief and member of Licensed Private Detectives Association of Massachusetts, it appears that this is something beyond a mere missing persons case, something ominous, could have happened here. In 2007, Arkansas group Let's Bring Them Home offered $75,000 for information on Mara's disappearance. In October 2006, volunteers searched for two days with a few miles within a few miles of where the accident occurred. In the closet of the of an A-frame house, one mile from the site, cadaver dogs alerted. This was the home of a man whose brother home of the man whose brother gave the knife to Fred. A sample of the carpet in the area in that area was sent to New Hampshire Police Department to the New Hampshire Police Department, but results were never revealed. In July 2008, another two-day search was led by volunteers, dog teams, and licensed private investigators in the Haverhill Woods. Mara's case is now cold.
In 2010, Fred publicly criticized the police for their handling of her case. Per Jeffrey Steslin in February 2009, we don't know if Mara is a victim, but the state is treating it as a potential homicide. It may be a missing persons case, but it is being handled as a criminal investigation. In the beginning of 2012, a YouTube user named Mr. or MR 112 Dirtbag caught people's attention when they post when they posted multiple videos including cryptic claims pertaining to Mara's case. However, family members and investigators think this to be a cruel and heinous prank. On the 10th anniversary of Mara's disappearance in 2014, Stelzen continued, We haven't had any credible sightings of Mara since the night she disappeared. I believe his name is pronounced Stelzen, and I'm trying to be consistent with it, but I'm not sure. We haven't had any credible sightings of Mara since the night she disappeared. Around this time, it was reported that Fred believed she was dead, having been abducted on the night of her disappearance. On the 13th anniversary of Mara's disappearance in 2017, Stelzen repeated that the case is still open and there is no new information at this time. On the 15th anniversary of her disappearance in 2019, Fred confirmed his belief that Mara is dead and explained her remains were in the basement of a nearby house, but excavation proved this to be wrong. This is the most recent update I could find. If you have any information pertaining to this case, please contact authorities. Before I get into my best guess, I want to discuss the most popular theories that I have heard pertaining to what actually happened to Mara Murray. I'm going to discuss these in the order of which I have heard them as how popular they appear to be. I'm not saying that any of these theories are true. They are just theories that I've heard in my research of this case. What seems to be the most popular theory is the tandem driver theory, in which it is believed that Mara was traveling with another person who was driving in a different car, either in front of her or behind her, and that when she got in the accident, she joined this person and they helped her get to her destination, whether that was to go there, to commit suicide, to disappear, that's the tandem driver theory. Another popular theory is that Mara was going to commit suicide. That she was going to this destination she was familiar with because she had visited there with her family frequently and that due to the hardships that were known in her life and maybe some that were not, she felt that it was time to end it. And the crash most likely was not intentional but that she went to continue this perhaps in the wilderness after the crash. Another theory is that Mara wanted to disappear, that she wanted to start a new life and she either staged her disappearance or was headed to that new life when the crash happened and that she continued to doing so afterwards. Another theory is that Mara was scared after she got in the accident because she had had some previous legal trouble and fled the scene 
to wait until police left. And because she was near the White Mountains and it was cold, she succumbed to the elements there and her body just hasn't been found. Another theory is that Mara was the victim of an opportunist criminal. That they saw her at a gas station while she was filling up with gas, potentially put the rag in the tailpipe, although it is not confirmed who did this or advised her to do this. Well, it may be confirmed, but it's unclear. And that they were following her, or maybe none of these things, and they just happened upon her after her accident and took advantage of the situation and she met a grisly fate due to this person. Another theory, although it has been discounted by law enforcement involved in the case, is that she was a victim of a serial killer operating in the area, like Israel Keys, although he did not confess to her murder that I know of. Those are the main theories that have been discussed pertaining to Mara Murray's case that I know of. Of course, there could be many more because there are so many factors in this case. I tried to cover them to the best of my ability, but I didn't want to get into too many red herrings because there are tons and doing so could really lead us off the path. But there we go. My best guess as to what truly happened to Mar Murray, although it would be more ideal in the sense that she would still be alive if Mara had run off to start a new life, it doesn't seem like this is likely because she would have to cut off communication with her family and friends, which it doesn't seem like she was in a bad position with, and no one has credibly seen her since her disappearance, is that after the accident, well, initially, Mara was heading to her destination to take a break from everything that was going on around her. That's why she packed up her items that she needed, like her toiletries. That's why she had her school books and the accident forms because she planned on taking some time away from school, still focusing on what had to be done, but relaxing. That's also why she had alcohol to refocus or turn over a new leaf, per se. But the crash happened most likely because of her nerves given everything that was going on and possibly because of alcohol as there was alcohol in the car and signs that it had spilled which would indicate that it was open although this could have been because of the accident as the Franzia wine box was damaged and the airbags did go off but that when this accident happened Mara tried to get to a place where she could gather herself. There was a sighting 
of her later on after the accident, but it's not known whether or not this is a true sighting, but that in doing so, in leaving that crash site, which she may only have gotten 100 yards from per the cadaver dogs losing, the cadaver dog losing the trail that far, someone encountered her, either offering her a ride or forcing her into their vehicle, and she was abducted and either held captive for captive for some period of time and then murdered or murdered. Although it is possible that she could still be held captive because of cases like JC, I believe her last name is Duggar or Dugard and the three women that were held by Ariel Castro. These cases are rare and more than likely Mara has already been killed, unfortunately, although I do not wish this were the case. And her body was never found in the wilderness or anywhere. So if she were to have either went to kill herself or met her fate in the wilderness by chance, even though it's a wild area, her remains would most likely still be found because there are people that go there specifically for outdoor activities and there were, I believe, six or seven or more searches for more and no remains were found. Regardless, I wish that for Mara and for her family, the truth were provided and justice could be served and closure could be given. My positive note for the day is humor. Regardless of what is going on in the world or what your beliefs are on the wide spectrum of hot topics for the day, there is some sort of humor out there that makes us realize that although these topics are important, it is still possible to laugh and to see the lighter side of things and doing so doesn't mean that we don't care about these topics but that we are still able to keep going when times are difficult. I've heard Elvis Duran say on the Elvis Duran morning show many times that something along the lines of their job is to help us get through these difficult times by still laughing making the most of this situation because that is what people need in hard times and I believe humor is therapeutic it brings us away from the quote-unquote drama for a minute and helps us realize that we can still laugh it's not so bad that we can't laugh so if you have the opportunity to Go on social media and check out some of the funny videos and memes and posts or watch a comedy special 
or go to a comedy club or talk about lighthearted topics with people you care about. This could be really beneficial to you and it has been for me. I have posted a picture of Mara and my sources on the Instagram page. Please remember you can email me at booniestruecrime at gmail.com, follow me on Instagram at booniestruecrime, give me positive feedback through your podcast provider, leave a voice message at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash booniestruecrime slash message and donate on Anchor. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, live your best life and be safe. Good night.